Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, good to be back. Um, I went here, like Tracy mentioned, I was here a lot. Um, I sat up there during this thing. It was called convocation back then. And we didn't have to come like you guys. Well, we had to come more than I think you guys did. But I just didn't come to this a lot. Um, I didn't go to class a lot. That's why I was here a lot. Um, I, uh, I ended up having to write a paper on Moby Dick my senior year to get the credit for this thing right here. And I wish I'd have come now because I would have gotten to hear things and, and enjoy it more. But I just didn't. I didn't know that you had to go to the class a lot to actually graduate, but I eventually decided I would do that. So it is good to be here back home where when I was here, a JBC and tea at the Quick Snack was $2.04. And that went over really well. That went over great. Good to be that the baseball team is the team of the week. Um, the two things I wanted to be when I grew up was I wanted to play baseball or I wanted to be in a band. So I chose the second part of that. Um, did play baseball in high school. Never went any further. I do have a son who uh, plays in Greensboro at college now. He's a catcher there. Um, he is a friend of, I don't know if he's here or not, if Henry Rundio is here. I don't know if Henry's here or not, but he played with Henry in high school. And uh, so Henry may not be here today. But anyway, he did, he's a good friend of Henry, so I wanted to say hey to Henry today. I grew up very normal, just like a lot of you guys. I grew up in a church from the time I was little. And not everybody in this room grew up in church. I just happened to do so. I grew, grew up in a town called Troy, North Carolina, which is in Montgomery County. Very small town, uh, about two hours east of here, east, northeast of here. Grew up in a very normal child, uh, family. Two parents. I'm the only kid. And I had everything in, the li in life that I could ever want. I had opportunities given to me, and I took advantage of those. And one of those opportunities was being able to come to Gardner-Webb. I ended up graduating from here in, in 87 with a degree in religious education. Not necessarily the degree I actually wanted. It was just the one I could hurry up and get out of here the quickest with. So I wanted to do some other things. So, But I am fortunate and, and gracious that I do have my degree from Gardner-Webb. Um, after I got out of school, like I mentioned earlier, my start in music actually started here at Gardner-Webb. And I don't know how many of you guys in here are actually musicians and take part of that kind of thing. But my start was here. I got to play a lot of on-campus events and got to meet people. And I know Tracy's an incredible musician in his own right. And uh, we got to do some things together. And But I wanted to go further. When I got out of school, that's the one thing I wanted, was bound to do was I was going to make music my living. My wife is here today, who I'm not going to make her stand up or embarrass or anything like that. But my wife is here. We met here. She was a student here. We got married a month after we graduated. And... After I got back from my honeymoon, I decided that I would make music my career, and I took off on the road for the next 15 years, and I was gone 200 days a year. I signed, I had started a band called Age of Faith, and we were in the Christian, contemporary Christian music, uh, rock world, I guess you can call it. Uh, signed a couple major record deals and did some really good things. I actually was able to record a number one song with a, uh, with a guy named Mac Powell from Third Day. Um, we were actually had that, that one song did really well for us. 
So I was able to enjoy a lot of really cool things while I was on the road playing, like I said, 200 days a year. My kids were both born while I was on the road. Um, I didn't get to see a whole lot of their growing up because I was gone a whole lot. But here's what happened to me. And I want to, before I get into the story that this book's all about, here's what dan- the dangerous thing that happened to me while I was on the road. My life became the music and the music business. Now, why is that a dangerous statement? Here's why. Everything comes to an end. And if you do not put your faith and hope in something that's lasting and true and real, because I'm going to tell you something, the music business is not real. It's a facade. It is very much smoke and mirrors. But I bought into that. Even in the Christian music industry, guys, it is just the same as it is in any other industry. You got groupies, you got drugs, you got alcohol, you got snakes in the grass, you got all of those things. Now, there are a lot of very great people in that industry, too. Just like anything else you guys will be a part of one day when you graduate from here, you will become involved with some kind of industry, whether it's business or teaching or whatever, you will find that there are things and people in those industries that you can't trust. The same in the music business, Christian music or not. But I've started to find who I was in that industry. Fast forward to 1999 and the industry was changing. All the major record labels were buying up all the small labels. And bands like us who were not the majors at that time, it was bands like DC Talk and um, Newsboys and Audio Adrenaline, those kind of groups. Those were the ones sticking around. All the other ones, we got kicked to the curb. That's just the reality of the game. So our band broke up in 1999. I found myself sitting at home doing nothing. Depression set in like I'd never known. I'd never known depression because I'd never went through it here. But it started to affect my life in negative ways to where I would stay in bed a lot. And, and, and just things I used to enjoy, I didn't enjoy anymore. The phone stopped ringing. The industry stopped calling. So what did I do? I thought I was a failure. I thought I was an absolute failure at anything I did. Because my identity was found in that. It was not found in the God that I gave my life to years ago. The depression was setting in. It was eating me alive. And on January the 1st of 2000, 15 years ago, my two boys, Austin and Andrew, were young then. They were riding their bikes and they wanted me to Filmed them jumping over jumps and ramps and crap up up at the uh, up in the um, uh, this development that we're building. So I take my camera out there and I'm filming them, and I thought, well, I know how to do that because I did it when I was a kid. I'm gonna show them how. And I hadn't been on a bike in 16, 17 years, y'all. And there was one night, it was one of these little bikes, you know. So I get on it and I take off and I hit the little ramp they had built. And as soon as I hit it, it went straight down, and I went straight over. Landed on this shoulder right here. Now, when I landed, I turned over, and I had the worst pain of my life going through my shoulder. But then I look up, and there's six little faces staring at me laughing. My kids and their friends. They had no idea how bad 
I was hurting. Long story short, I went to the ER that night, and they sent me home with something that would rule my life for the next seven years. The nurse sent me home with 15 Vicodin 5-milligram tablets. I didn't know what they were. I'd never had them before. Now remember, I have depression pretty bad, right? I get home, it's New Year's Day, there's football on, I'm going to sit down and watch a game. My wife gives me two of them. I popped them in my mouth ten minutes later. I liked that feeling. I liked it. Matter of fact, I didn't just like it. I loved it. The reason I loved it because it just felt good. Number two, I didn't have depression anymore. The depression was gone. Four hours later, she gave me two more. I liked it even better. Went through that script, got a couple more the next couple weeks from an orthopedic doctor. But here's what happened. About a month and a half or two months after I took, started taking those and I was still seeing the orthopedic doctor, all of a sudden when I would take two, they wouldn't feel the same anymore. So I popped another one. Now I was taking three. Then I started taking four. See, your body builds a tolerance. Anybody in here that's in nursing or anybody in here that's, that knows what I'm talking about, you know that your body builds a tolerance. And I think that's one reason athletes have to be so careful when they get injuries because it happens to a lot of athletes. I started building a tolerance. I started taking more and more and more. Then I started doing something I never in my life would have dreamed I would have done. I became a thief, a liar, a manipulator, and a con artist. Came all those. I started hitting up every single doctor I could find in a five-state area over the next six and a half years. That little thing from two every four became 60 pills a day. 10 milligrams, 60 pills a day. I should not be alive, y'all. I'm telling you, I should be dead. There's no reason other than the grace of Almighty God that I'm standing before you today. That is it. There were nights where my wife stayed up all night just so to make sure that I would wake up the next morning. But here's what happened. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. It ruled everything about me. Every morning I woke up, my first thought was, where am I going to get them? Where am I going to get the money to get them? And am I going to be able to get them? That ruled my life for seven years. The hardest part of all was keeping it secret. That was the hard part because I had to keep it a secret from my family. And and my wife, Angie, didn't know about it for two years. She thought it was just depression, and then she caught on. And she's here today because she stayed with me. She didn't have to do that. But that's the woman she is. It's because she knew that I wasn't the... At that point, I wasn't the, the guy that she married originally. I'm not going to tell you everything because I I do want you to go out and buy the book. I'm selling it to you. I don't have them here, but I'll tell you how you can get it later. But I would, if you do read it, it is graphic. 
There are lots of things in that book that I cannot believe I wrote, but I did. That I'm ashamed of. My wife has a chapter in the book. It's the most, I think it's, she'll, she'll disagree with you. I think it's the most powerful chapter in the book because it talks about what addiction looks like from somebody who's innocent. What's it look like from somebody who has to put up with somebody every day? She wrote that chapter for spouses and other people who have loved ones that are going through it. My recovery, I'm not going to tell you all the stories. I don't have time to run. They are in there. But I'll just say this. I was in detox in the hospitals several times. I was in rehab several times. One of the times I got out of detox, I've been in there five days. And if anybody's gone through drug withdrawal, you know it's absolutely next to hell. I was in it for five days. The morning I walked out of the hospital, I live in Gastonia now. I was at Carolina's Medical, what, 40 minutes from Charlotte? I walked out of the hospital after being there for five days, sweating, throwing up, diarrhea the whole night. I walk out, and I was high before I ever got home because my mind couldn't deal with it. Now, understand something. I heard that John Casey was here a few weeks ago, and he talked about your master and how who your master is determines everything else. My master at that time in my life was prescription pain medication. And it ruled me, buddy. It ruled everything about me. And I thought God had walked out and left me, but I was the one doing the moving, y'all. And for the first two years, I was still going to churches and singing and saying, oh, God is great, God is good, and all this stuff. And the whole time, I'm miserable. The turning point for me actually became a trip to Myrtle Beach that my wife and that I had to do a night at a church there. And it was one of the most miserable experiences. And I talk about that, but that was a turning point. So how did I, I've been clean almost nine years now. So how did that happen? I'll tell you. I'm not going to tell you the whole thing, but I will tell you this. It took having the right people around me. It took finding the right doctor to take care of me the right medication to take care of me. But most important, y'all, it took me deciding that I had had enough. You ever heard the term, you're sick of being sick? I was really sick of being sick. And the other thing was that I knew that God had not created me to be this guy that I was at that point. So my recovery started, and the first year of my recovery was hard. I relapsed several times, man. I remember one time I had been clean for 60-some days. It was awesome. And I woke up one morning, and this voice said, you really don't need to be sober today. You just don't need to be sober today, man. You know what to do. And I fought it for like half that morning. Next thing I know, I'm high as a kite. But that's what addiction does. It is a disease that will... You end up in three places, y'all. If you, if you stay on a road of drug addiction, you end up in three places. You end up in jail, which fortunately for me, I never ended up there, but it was right around the corner. You end up in jail. You end up on the streets. And why do you end up on the streets? Because it is a family disease, see. 
everybody around you eventually starts to be affected by your, your addiction. And they can't put up with it anymore. And eventually they're going to say, out of our lives. And, I, and I, in a crowd this size, I guarantee you, there are 10% of people in here who have directly been affected by a drug addiction in your home. Whether your parents, whether your grandparents, your brothers, sisters, siblings, I mean, um, aunts, uncles, whatever. You have been affected that way. I know that because the statistics prove it. The other thing is there are people in this room right now who have gone through what I'm talking about. You might not be prescription drugs. Yours might be Molly. You guys know what Molly is. I don't have to tell you that. It may be cocaine. It may be be heroin. Maybe meth. You've gone through it. All of those will lead you down the same path I went to and the destruction that it leaves. Jail, the streets, or death. Because addiction is a progressive disease. It only gets worse until finally you take that last hit, you put that last little bit in your arm, you take that last snort, you don't wake up. I was in rehab with a prominent member of NASCAR family. He was great, great guy. He's dead now. He'd overdosed a month after we got out of, out of rehab. I was in rehab with a pharmacist. The only reason he got into pharmacy is so he could be around the drugs. And he hid it for 12 years. He had gallon buckets a prescription uh, of, of hydrocodone and oxys in his basement at home until finally the DEA called him. I tell you all this, guys, for a couple reasons. And I want to do a song for you before we get out of here. I was normal like you. No different than most of you guys. Most of you young men in here, I was where you are right now. Most of you young ladies, I was, your, my wife was where you were. Normal, going to school, minding your own business, enjoying college, man. The best time of your life. Fast forward a little while, I'm the, still the same normal dude. I was married with two kids when my addiction started. I had already been on the road for 15 years. I had been a youth pastor in the church twice. I was just like everybody else. And it got me. Why did it get me? Because my faith was in something other than the one that I put my faith in years ago. The beautiful thing about this story is, if you read the title, One Man's Story of Addiction, Depression, the last word is the, is the, the kicker, redemption. Guys, I, I stand before you a redeemed child of God. God never left me. He never wavered. He loved me through it. And I stand, even through the roughest days of my life, when I would lay on the floor thinking I was dying, God was still with me. And he will be with you today. He will still be with you. And if you're going through this stuff, there is hope and there is help. I want to read you something. I want to read this before I do this song. There's two things I want to, I want to, I want to leave you with word-wise. 
My favorite verse of scripture. It's a weird one now, but it is my favorite. It is in the book of Joel, verse 225. It says, I will repay you the years the locusts have eaten. It's a weird verse. I will repay you the years the locusts have eaten. Now, what that means is God was talking to the children of Israel when they had turned their backs on God. God kind of shut them off for a while until they repented and got their life back right with Christ or with God at that time. God turned around and gave them everything that they had squandered. So I look at this verse and, and mine goes, I will repay you for the years the drugs have taken away. Because the drugs, my allowing them, took away a lot in seven years. I pawned about every guitar I owned. I had a $1,000 Martin guitar that I sold for 25 bucks just to get a hit that day. Just so I wouldn't be sick that day. A $1,000 Martin. The one behind me, was, was I was blessed enough to get back. I, I, I could go on for days on that. I want to read you this out of my book. I was standing at Carolina's Medical Center I had been in there for three days, and I was looking out the window of a side street. And I was thinking, why in the world am I here? This was the second or third time I'd been there. This is what I wrote. I began to focus on a huge oak tree to the left of my window. For some reason, it brought a sense of peace. It was like an old friend. It was solid, it was unmoved, and it seemed to be full of wisdom. It was as if that tree had once been where I was in that moment. It had been blown about by life's storms. It had been almost toppled by the great winds of life. Now it had grown to be a shelter for others just like it. I wanted to be like that tree. Every day, every day I work in a mental health facility with drug-addicted drug people. I drug screen them every day. I see a hundred people just like I was every week. Some of these people have lost everything you can imagine. Some of them's lives are so unraveled that they will never recover outside of the grace of God. And it started... With one pill. Most of them, 90% of them, they've told me that. I got hurt. I just took a pill and now I'm here. And and I've been in jail 10 times. I lost my kids. I'm telling you guys, the road is a road of destruction. I'm going to do you a song and then I, I don't know what the time frame is here. I think we're actually a little bit early. But you'll love that getting out of here, won't you? I know, I was there one time. Well, when I was here, that is. I mean, but uh, the book, um, I have a website. It's called jimmyray.com. That's pretty original. Um, that's how you spell my name. It's a lot like Jimi Hendrix spelled his. But it's just jimmyray.com. The, the, when you go to the first page, you guys can write that down in your notebooks. I see you all doing that now, so appreciate that. Um, uh, when, you, when, you, when you write that, when you go to that website, uh, you can click on the cover. And you can actually go to, uh, you can see where you can go to actually read the introduction. 
and you can read excerpts from different chapters. Um, you can click on how to buy it. I know you don't have any money. You're in college. I get it. Tell your mom and dad to buy it for you. I want to leave you with uh, I want to leave you with a song that's kind of autobiographical. I actually told Tracy I'd. They asked me for the words today. Um, for interpretation, and I had just rewrote the second verse yesterday, and I scribbled it down here, and I hope I can read it myself. So, anyway, my story is this: I was was lost, and God never gave up, and I was found again, and that can be your life too. That can be your life too. In our lives, as always, things we wish we could erase. When we had to learn the hard way, like putting faith in a bottle, the drugs or the devil disguised. As a, a friend, a lover, we can't go. Back and fix things Cause time is moving on And here and now Everything that got me here Had a reason I believe Every chapter in my life had a season My heart is prone to wander To what I've left behind Oh, and now I've found Real life starts here and now When I finally pointed the finger back at me Instead of blaming someone else I discovered freedom from these chains That kept me bound to my past the love of Jesus It was me I finally forgave And here and now Everything that got me here had a reason I believe chapter in my life had a season 
my heart is prone to wander to what I've left behind. Oh, but now I find that real life starts here and now change. been a long time overdue And here I've learned something From all that I went through And here and now Everything that got me I believe somehow every chapter in my life had a season. My heart is prone to wonder to what I left behind. Oh, but now I. Real life starts here and now. Go Bulldogs. You guys have a great afternoon. See you. Thank you.